Hey y'all, welcome back to Luce's Booble Removal. I'm Luce, and today <laughs> in the studio I have a special guest. Hey Britta. Hey Luce. Hey, um, I'm just laughing at that name because <laughs> I think I saw it written down, but I, I kind of just skimmed it and now you're saying it out loud. That's great. <laughs> yeah, my sister calls it that. And so it's awesome. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, my name's Britta. Um, I'm from New Zealand and my pronouns are they, them. And I am almost two years post-op, top surgery. Um, like uh, on the 29th of January, I'll be two years. So sweet. Yeah, coming up. <laughs> yeah, and I learned about you through YouTube. You were posting some pre- and post-op videos. Yeah, so I did a ton of research. I'm one of those people that before I do something, I have to do, like, copious amounts of research. Like, if it's buying a car or, like, moving to a new country or something, like, I just do as much as possible. And there was a lot of great resources on YouTube, but one of the things that was kind of lacking was people getting top surgery who had not been on T. Um, so I thought, well, uh, I guess I'll just document my stuff. Originally it was just going to be about surgery and then I was going to like finish after a year, uh, and stop making videos, but I don't know. I kind of got a bit hooked <laughs> and I get really passionate about topics sometimes. So I'm like, oh, I really need to talk about this. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's been, so I, I found your video specifically looking for non-testosterone, non-binary top surgery. And then I really appreciated some of the other things you've gone into around like gender, gender expression, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's been, it's been interesting following your journey. Oh, thanks. I'm always surprised. Oh, I'm frequently surprised at which videos get the most hits um, and like which ones are popular and which ones aren't so much. Wh which ones are popular? Um, my, well, the one that has the most hits at the moment is me doing a really badly done review on the Seeker Care scar gel strips. And I think it's because a lot of people getting surgery or who have scars are interested in that, not just uh, queer people. But I really didn't plan that video very well. Um, so <laughs> it's not great. My second one is I talk for 10 minutes about um, the different kind of like hormonal or surgical ways to stop your period. Um, and I've actually had a lot of really great responses, uh, like mostly from cis women about like how they didn't know about all these things. And they're like, I never heard about IUDs before. I never heard about this. Or like I spoke to my doctor and they said it wouldn't be right for me. Or like, there's just a lot of misinformation from medical practitioners towards people with uteruses, which is like really unfortunate. And so I'm actually super proud of that video. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I was, in fact, I was wondering like how you feel about your, your series or the information and I mean, being proud of it is certainly, it sounds to me like that'd be a big part. Yeah. Um, you know, like some videos I look back and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't really believe this anymore or I didn't phrase this properly and this could be misinterpreted. Um, so probably about like 5% of my videos are private, like that were public. I mm. kind of remove them again. Sure. Cause like it doesn't, represent who I am and there's kind of two thoughts about this like you put something out there into the world it's dated so people know like this is what you thought two years ago it might not represent your views now yeah. but I'm like but it's still my face and it's still my voice and I'm still saying these things and if someone watches it now then it's very easy to interpret that as my current views yeah and I have the the ability to kind of tweak what I put out there and I'd like for it to all somewhat represent what I still believe. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. I mean, even so, you've you've documented this whole like journey of thought. 
you know, you're still coming across as a very dynamic person. Oh, thanks. I'm wondering what, you know, how do you see some of the like main points in say the last few years and how you view like say your gender, your body? Um, it's interesting because I think the way that I think about my gender is kind of threefold. So firstly, or like gender slash sex, like that whole kind of package. One of it's just very simply the way I relate to my body. So I knew I wanted top surgery um, quite early on and I identified as gender questioning for a while and then I played around with the word genderqueer and, and non-binary and and agender and uh, like demi-woman. <laughs> and like these are just, it's, it's all just like semantics, right, in the end. Yeah. And there's a lot of arguments about what what is the true meaning of this word like what does gender really mean and people have argued like so many different approaches to what that means um so sometimes I kind of have to separate it it's like well I know that I had uh chest dysphoria and it was really bad and I got surgery and now I'm happy so that's like one thing that I can safely understand in its own context and then like then it's the semantics of it. What words do I use to describe myself? And language is changing so often. It's so, it's so fluid. <laughs> um, and, you know, some opponents to non-binary identities is there's just too many words and it's too complicated. But I often feel like these words are for me. You know, I might use them and you might hear them. But when I use the word agender, I'm not telling you anything about myself. Like I'm not giving you instructions, you know, that doesn't say anything about my pronouns. I identified as agender for a year while I was still going my she, her pronouns. Um, you know, I've kept my birth name after playing around with another one for a bit. Like, and the word agender might mean something to someone else. So really the way I think about words, it's like, it's just how I can talk to myself in my own brain about myself and understand me. Sure. And then, and then the third kind of part of that is the way that I am read socially and I move through the world socially. Um, I've, I've realized, or maybe this might just be a YouTube thing that I've noticed, um, is like a lot of the AFAB trans people, uh, non-binary trans people say, well, I'm non-binary, but if I have to be read as a binary gender, I prefer to be read as male. Mm -hmm. And I, I see a lot of people on YouTube like that. Um, so some people on low dose T, some people on full dose T, but still non-binary. Um, for me, I'm non-binary, but if I have to be read as a binary gender in society, I prefer to be read as female. So there are situations in which using the word trans for myself does either doesn't make a ton of sense or just isn't relevant in that situation. Yeah, it's like trans has a very binary understanding by many folks. Yeah, and so it's like, well, I'm trans because like, I've understood myself to not be a binary gender and you know, I've had top surgery and I'm, I'm also on low dose T now uh, and I feel more like me. But then in some situations, like if we're talking about employment um, and and those sort of things or, um, you know, like female cinematographers make up like 3.5% of <laughs> like Oscar winning cinematographers. And I very much like look at that statistic and relate to it quite strongly. Um, so I sometimes also refer to myself as a woman as or like sure. I might be... I might be in a situation where I'm read as a woman and treated in a way that's very specifically gendered that way. 
but I can't be in a situation where I say, oh, I'm trans and I'm a woman because I'm not a trans woman. I don't want to claim that for myself as well. So the language is always something that you're working on and trying to figure out, but I don't feel like that affects the truthfulness of my, my journey, you know, just the way that I try to explain it, which sometimes falls short of the reality of the experience. Yeah. That's super interesting. The, because there's this journey and there's also this sense of identity, which to some extent, like one's identity can change. I think even your videos sort of show like this, this understanding that you're like, you're learning every year about gender expression and words. But at the same time, I don't know if this is for you, but there's also parts of the identity that feels constant. Like it's like you're discovering who you are. It's not that you're changing. Um, And so there's the static, this dynamic, there's who you are now. And you're also historically, you know, there's like a history that for me, I can't forget socializations. I heard recently someone said that they were politically female. They're a non-binary person. I love that. I was like, yeah, that sounds good. That reminds me of, did you ever watch The L Word? Parts of it, yeah. Um, so when Tina starts dating that man and, and she and her friends have this big, her ex-friends have this big argument, she's like, well, I'm politically a lesbian. And then like there was such a huge discussion around that, like how can you be in a relationship with a man but politically be a lesbian? And like I don't have any opinion on that particular scene or that conversation, um, but that made me think a lot. I never really came to a conclusion. Um, Going back to what you're saying about discovering yourself, I hear a lot of people talk about it as a self-discovery journey. Um, One of my videos specifically, which I'm pretty sure is still public, I kind of talk about trying to approach it as a self-discovery journey, kind of looking for myself, uh, quote unquote. But I found after a while that it, it wasn't working for me. And when I reframed it as there is no true me that exists that I don't know that I have to look for. I am constantly creating myself and I can see a point where I want to be at and try and figure out the steps to get there and work on that. And so when I started looking at it as self-creation instead of self-discovery, that was very, very helpful, uh, not just in my gender journey, but like seeing myself as an adult, you know, um, (laughs) like what kind of person do I want to be? And I think it helps me hold myself accountable for some things. I can't just say, oh, I'm just not good at budgeting. So that's just the true me that exists. It's like, no, I want to be an adult that's good Mm -hmm. at budgeting. How can I get there? How do I build on that? Um, what are the steps to take? That's a really plain example. And, um, but you know, the, it it's, also, it's, kind it's of, applicable to a lot of different things. I yeah, think. no, it's kind of beautiful. The, like you're an active participant in your life. That's super cool. One thing I'm wondering is how do you view feminism while also like having a booboo removal and, and, and like, you know, appreciating the masculine as well, like feminism, femininity? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a feminist. And for me, that means I believe in the equality of all genders. Sure. Um, people shouldn't be treated differently uh, because of the way they were born or because of um, their identity. And it's interesting because I've spoken to some butch women and uh, like masculine non-binary people about our space in like women's spaces, like being there. Um, 
and like being allowed to be there. And I often don't feel welcome in women's spaces. Um, mm. not, not particularly in a queer context. I think the, the main one is like bathrooms and changing rooms. I, uh, my wife and I were at the Castro yesterday and I went into, oh, and the Castro it's fine. Cause everyone's gay. So that's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to, um, we went to Dolores park and I went to the toilets and I went into the women's toilets, uh, which I don't often do. And I suddenly felt like I was an intruder. Uh, cause I've been using the men's toilets for about two years now. And I've never had a problem with using the men's. And the reason I switch has nothing to do with my identity at all. Like it is not a political statement. It's not a reflect, reflection of like who I am. It was just a very practical thing that I had to do because I was getting so much anxiety from like the reactions I was getting in the women's toilets. What, what kind of things would happen? Um, I was at a bar once and I walked into a toilet uh, the, the bathroom and this girl was like, Hey, you can't be in here. And she grabbed me on the shoulder and I was really drunk. And this was in Europe as well. So like, um, it, it was all happening in Danish. I speak Danish, not perfectly. So like, instead of trying to find the words to explain that it was okay, that I was in the woman's bathroom, this was before top surgery, I flashed her and then she got really apologetic. She's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a man. I love your boots. Where did you get them? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, the, the worst situation and like one of the ones that really kind of pushed me to just say, fuck this. I'm using the men's toilets. Like I, I can't do this anymore. Um, it was like four days after my dad had passed away and I'd been on a plane for about 24 hours straight and I hadn't slept and I had to write my speech. I was going to say at the funeral and I was at the airport and I walked into the woman's bathroom. It was packed. There were so many women there. So like these girls, they were probably 15, maybe there is no way that they looked at me in that situation with like 20 very feminine women and thought I like had accidentally gone in there. Right. Like they knew that I knew where I was and they just started saying, why is there a guy in here? Oh, why would a man come into the women's toilets? And they were just being so snarky and snide. And you know, there are two reactions that I've had. One is legitimate fear. And I always forgive that because if a woman thinks there's a man in her space and she gets scared, like I understand this, these girls, they were just being, rude like yeah. they they were not threatened at all there was no fear behind this and I just I I almost broke down like I left there um and I sat down and my, my wife was on a plane about 10 minutes after me coming in from the states and like I just broke down in her arms and I couldn't do it anymore I just that's awful I cannot <laughs> like I do not feel comfortable <laughs> in women's bathrooms anymore um that's kind of really not a good answer to your question about <laughs> feminism. <laughs> um, but I, I, it, maybe it's a springboard of like explaining that I constantly have to think like how, how is my relation to this space? Um, and like, so the butcher one I've spoken to have said, well, yeah, we, we do experience some discrimination as women, um, and we also experienced some discrimination being gender non-conforming, like people yell dyke at me in the street. They're not as likely to do that to a femme presenting uh, lesbian or, <laughs> or bisexual person, yeah. um, unless she's like holding hands with someone. Um, so, yeah, you know, there, there's still discrimination, but it's different kinds. And 
um, I think it's important for me to understand that there are some situations in which my masculinity is viewed as an asset. Um, and there's some situations in which that gender nonconformity is viewed as like social deviation and is then punished. Yeah. Um, but being aware that there are different situations, like my housemate, um, is butch and said that there are some situations in which men will say, Oh, a woman's trying to buy a car. Like she obviously knows nothing about it. And there's other situations in which a man will say, Oh, this very masculine person obviously knows shit about cars <laughs> because of the way that she's presenting. And it just depends on, who that yeah, person just lots is. Of, yeah, the assumptions are, uh, it's part of the stereotypes of a relationship, yeah. biases and whatnot. Man, though, that's, um, the whole bathroom thing is pretty intense. I, in some of your videos, you talk about um, stand to pee devices. And I mean, is that also just part of trying to fit into like male restrooms? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, my friends and I went to a workshop and we filmed, it's online, uh, we filmed they made three different devices and we all went home with a few and we went camping the next <laughs> week. And so like, I've never had genital dysphoria. I, like I don't have any lower dysphoria whatsoever. <laughs> and so I never thought I'd react like this, but standing to pee is really fun. <laughs> like, like everyone should try it. <laughs> everyone should give it a go. Um, like the one thing I remember from that camping trip is like getting up in the middle of the night and the, the, drop toilets were ages away and so I just peed on a tree and it was it was so practical I didn't have to walk through the forest to the to the bathrooms and like I don't know there's some kind of I guess it's a freedom thing like yeah I mean I already feel like whenever I'm camping or backpacking like the you know the bathroom situation is very freeing like, yeah whatever you want <laughs> um yeah but that's definitely a practical thing I've used an STP twice in a urinal at in a men's bathroom once was again at an airport there was one sit down stall and 20 men waiting up and i'm pretty sure they all needed to poop because we just got off this plane flight and there were like five free urinals and i could have stood in the line for half an hour or something um so i was like hey i'll give it a go and you know i took the corner urinal and used the stp and no one like my friend andrew he's a gay man he said the only places men will look at your dick is in a gay bar. <laughs> Everywhere else, it's not acceptable. And if someone's like, hey, what's that? Your response can be like, why are you looking at my junk? <laughs> like, it's just a social no-no. Like, I think even if they noticed, they wouldn't admit that they did because then they're admitting that they were looking, which is like yeah. a faux pas. Um, so, yeah, I peed. The place was packed. And then I left and I'm like, wow, I just saved myself half an hour and totally went fine like yeah. I, I don't take my stp with me everywhere but if i'm traveling or going on a you know road trips or on the plane or camping yeah i bring it with festivals it's, festivals that makes sense for sure <laughs> um that's you're pretty gutsy like you know to do these things that are sort of unconventional do you remember like the first time you wore did, have, did you wear binders before your surgery yet yeah for do a you, bit do you remember like it sort of I remember like the first time I started deviating from the norm versus today. And it's, it's so amazing. The things today that I don't even think about versus how, like how much anxiety I had about doing something much smaller. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I'm so I'm, I'm 26 now and 
there are some things that I don't have any anxiety about. Like I walk into a men's bathroom. I don't think twice about it. I'm just there to pee. It's fine. I've never been hassled in a men's toilet before. That's something that would have freaked me out like four or five years ago. Um, But then I have a lot of anxiety in different places in my life that I didn't have before. (laughs) Um, Like this month, right? First month of 2018, I have had about four really stressful reactions with men and we're not even four weeks in. (laughs) Um, And so like just, just being around cis dudes now, I get protective of myself like I find it I find it very hard to like open up and be honest is this like um like in the street or on the bus or something yeah I got I got yelled at because I was jogging and was wearing tights and they were like oh there's a guy wearing tights why is he wearing tights just I don't know they were really offended by seeing a man wearing tights it's like you went from (laughs) yeah there's like the policing of of being a woman, of like what woman should be in like a woman's restroom. And now you're getting policed uh, when viewed as like being too masculine. Yeah. So uh, this is a podcast, so people obviously can't see, but um, my nail polish is gold and uh, I really dig that. Um, But there was, there was a, a, a flip, like quite a, a noticeable flip where I went from being worried about presenting too masculine and get like homophobia for being a dyke. And then like, I realized at at some point I was getting read as male more often than not. And then like, I didn't wear nail polish for ages. Cause it's like, if I'm wearing nail polish and I go into a men's bathroom, am I going to get beat up? Like what, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. Um, I've just decided that a, I'll deal with it with it if it happens, but also B, this is the Bay Area, and so I, I trust the space a little more. Yeah, and perhaps not to be like super trans friendly, but at least to not be nearly as homophobic as other spaces. I definitely see dudes with nail polish a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Although gold, that's a, it's a good color. Yeah, well, I used to be goth, so it was black nail polish all the time for probably two years and uh I'm trying something different it matches my wedding ring <laughs> yeah I noticed that's cool were you, were you and your wife together at the start of this journey or has that been part of this yeah so uh, my wife and I started dating before I had top surgery um and I was about 80% sure I wanted top surgery at this point I, I'd already gone to the psych and gotten all my letters and and had one kind of uh, consultation with the surgeon. Um, So I think it was probably our third date that I mentioned that that's something I was interested in. Um, But my wife is bisexual and uh, which I think is really good for me because I've definitely dated a couple of women before my partner that pretty much said, like, if you ever got your breasts removed, I wouldn't be attracted to you anymore. Um, wow. And they, they were lesbians. Um, although, no, one of them has now come out as pan and is dating a man. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, it's not like, it's not like if I'm going to date someone, I'm like, are you bisexual? This is my, <laughs> like, this is very important to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't look for people who are bi, but the last few years I've always ended up like four years, I've always ended up with someone who's bi, I think because, I don't know, I 
I don't know if there's like a line of like trans non-binary and butch. Like I, it's, you can't tell, right? Just by looking at You can't someone. tell anything by you just can't, looking. You can't know. So I'm not sure how that works. Um, it's also interesting. I hear from a lot of lesbians like, oh, I fell in love with a straight girl or like, oh, I was attracted to this woman and she was straight. I've never had that happen. Like I've been attracted to very femme lesbians and not straight women. I, there's, I, I think it's a gaydar thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> just like, like, no, it. that person will not be interested in you. So you can't, you can't find them attractive because you, you know, yeah. there won't be any reciprocation. I mean, if that third date conversation had gone differently, that you probably wouldn't now be married. So yeah. If she said that it was a huge problem for a, um, yeah. Uh, I probably would have said, well, thank you for your time. You're lovely. Um, this is something that's more important to me right now than a relationship. Um, but I, I, I knew already that she'd take it really well because on our second date, she asked me what my pronouns were. <laughs> um, they were she, her at the time, but just have like just asking that question yep. made me realize, like, okay, this this is a good one. <laughs> yeah. Did you have um, a lot of support in like with your friends and with your family or? Were there, was there some like resistance? Um, I didn't tell my family until six months after my surgery. <laughs> um, my friends, yeah, my friends were super supportive. Um, I had a lot of support, which was lovely. Uh, a lot of really great reactions. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I was expecting that or not. I don't think I was expecting anything, but you know. At some point I had to say it. I, I remember I went swimming um, last September. Oh, it would be two Septembers ago now. Uh, with, well, I freelanced in Australia, so he's not my boss, but like this man that I worked with a lot who hired me on a lot of uh, film shoots. And we went to the pools and I'd never explicitly mentioned that I had top surgery until like we got there and I realized I'm like, this guy doesn't know jack shit about my gender i'm sorry can we swear on your podcast (laughs) um but i was like have a great accent (laughs) but i thought well we're here now i i've just got my swim trunks that's all i have and we went swimming and he was so he's like in his 40s he's a straight cis guy with a wife and two kids and he was totally chill like he didn't look at my scars he didn't ask um he didn't even it didn't phase him in the slightest like he didn't blink um, so I've definitely had a lot of like good, good responses as well. I think that's a really good response. Just yeah, that's like <laughs> realizing it and being like, okay, <laughs> all right. Just like registering it in your head and be like, well, that's none of my business as long as they're happy. <laughs> do, you, do you go swimming a bit? Like, do you go to swimming pools or, or stuff like that? Oh, I, I love swimming a lot. Um, I'm actually probably going to start going a bit more. I, I messed up my elbow rock climbing outdoors a couple of months ago. And so I haven't been able to do that. So I'm kind of looking for other things I can do. Uh, I've been jogging, but that gets a bit boring. So I might start swimming again. Yeah. It's interesting. I have no issue um, swimming in just swim trunks and no top at the beach, like none whatsoever in swimming pools. I don't know because it feels like less of a public place. Like someone owns this building. You have to pay to get in. It's more of a, an institution, um, I might kind of scout it out first. I do have a rashy. 
mm-hmm. which I wear sometimes. Yeah, I've noticed. So in the mission, there's a swimming pool, outdoor pool. It's beautiful, actually. Um, there's multiple trans folks with, or I mean, I don't know how they identify, but there's people with top surgery in yeah. trunks. Yeah. Um, cool. I also know that um, some pools require. Not. I don't know any particularly here. I just know from the news that some pools require anyone who they think is a woman to wear a, you know, to wear a bathing suit, full suit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't just impact queer people. It impacts people who've had mastectomies for any reason. Yeah. There's a film crew in Seattle or Portland. Wait, are they? <laughs> Those are different towns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One's in. It's up north. They're both up north. <laughs> okay. okay, there's Portland and Oregon, and then Seattle, Washington is right up by Canada. One of those. Yep. Um, <laughs> I get them confused too. And they're, they're doing a short uh, documentary about a trans man and a, a cis woman who's had a double mastectomy um, and their experiences in swimming pools. And yeah. it's like a really short documentary just about that. Um, it's not out yet. They're still filming, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Don't ask me what it's called. I can't remember. Uh, but I'm, I'm part of a lot of film and tv uh groups on facebook and and websites and stuff so i i see things on the grapevine vine and get excited <laughs> yeah that'll be interesting super cool yeah yeah pools are interesting and then same with locker rooms and i guess it, you know in gyms or cli- i don't know if climbing places have locker rooms yeah so my local um climbing gym which i, I was going to about two or three times a week most of last year before I messed my elbow up, um, have a men's and a women's. And I was quite comfortable using the women's, not a hundred percent comfy, but like using the women's locker room there because I was a regular, um, like quite quickly a regular. So all the staff knew me by name. Um, and like a lot of the other people who climbed there. So I wasn't as worried, but sometimes when I'd go, um, climb with other friends at other gyms, I, I'd be a little more wary. Uh, before top surgery, I was 100% comfortable using women's locker room because <laughs> I'm very comfortable being naked. <laughs> like, I think, so I'm part Danish. I think this is the European in me. I realize it's not nearly as acceptable in the States or like some parts of the States. People are weirder about nudity. Um, but before before top surgery, I'd just like go in, pull my top off and then it's fine right you're not gonna ask if I'm in the right locker room because I've got my tits out (laughs) um and now it's like I definitely hide like I I don't just take my top off and like have top surgery scars I definitely hide in in like a woman's in a woman's locker room and you and do you go into the men's locker room now or is that like sort of feel different than a men's restroom yeah it's it's very different I've been in the men's locker room once but just because I needed to pee um and I kind of panicked and left (laughs) um because it's different, right? Yeah. Like there are, are naked people there and... and Yeah, it feels different. It feels different. It's weird. Like my body doesn't quite fit in either space anymore. Um, and also the kind of top surgery that I had, uh, my nipples are bigger than average top surgery results. My areola are bigger. And they're also placed where, where a woman's a cis woman's nipple and areola would be whereas cis guys tend to be a bit further out towards their flanks um i really like the results um it also means that if you see me from a distance 
you might not instantly clock, oh, that's a cis guy's chest. Um, Because there are definitely cis women with smaller breasts that would probably look more like my chest. Um, I like that because it feels more... I guess non-binary to me in a way like it's it's not like I went from having like this kind of look to this look I you know I don't have the the mass there anymore but yeah it I mean I was reviewing some of your some of your older videos to prepare for this and I I loved how you talked about wanting to customize like you're almost from the beginning of at least you know your your public journey You've been very clear about you're not just going from one box to another. You're like thoughtfully thinking about what, yeah, what's going to work for you. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. My last question for you, Britta, is um, who's your queero? <laughs> um, I definitely have a few. Uh, right now, it's Ellen Page. Um, she just got married, which is exciting. That's not why she's my queero, but... I just want to plug her wedding because <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Um, and she did it really low key as well. I like, didn't really announce it. Um, no one knew until she posted like one picture of Instagram. She's like, Oh, I'm married now. BT dubs. Um, but so I'm, I'm in the film industry and so I followed her, um, you know, but well before she was out. Um, and you know, once she came out, her talking about, people telling her not to come out because it would ruin her career and just like the way she had to deal with that these implications that who you are is not okay who you are is going to hurt the thing that you love you know her job acting um and who you are is is not acceptable if you want to continue this passion and like that must have been so goddamn hard. Uh, did you see her coming out speech? At the- I, I went and like watched it after. I mean, it's like, it's true that, I mean, queer people have been told to hide for, I mean, any, any deviation is like this thing you have to be ashamed of and hide. And yeah. it's, it's amazing to see people. I think like the feeling of pride to me is just, just growing like, especially yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I love, the, the way that she came out, the articulateness of it. And then once she was out, she went, well, now I have this platform. I have to do mm. something about this. And then she just did a documentary series about LGBT rights like all over the world because she had that like, venue. And yeah, yeah. I, I respect that a ton because sometimes – and like, you know, no, no shade against these people. Like it's their life, do what they want. Sometimes people just come out um, – and then they carry on and that's fine. Um, and that's all good. I support that. But Paige said, well, now I'm out and I have this platform. Like, what can I do to, to give to my community? You yeah. Know? And yeah. It's inspiring. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's like, you're not going to fault someone for not coming out or not using it as a, as a platform, but, um, kind of it opens the door for everyone else yeah. when someone like has that courage. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it seems like an asset these days. I mean, I guess I'm plugged into so much like queer media. I feel like, um, it's helping people in their career almost. Mm. I have had more issues with employment being a woman than being 
queer. And I don't know if that's because homophobia isn't cool, so people hide it more. Mm. Um, but Wait, you're saying you've you've encountered more like challenges or bias or discrimination yeah. as because of being being well, read as a woman. I see. Than being then, read as queer. Yeah, like me outing myself as being in a same sex relationship um, has never had a negative impact on my career at all. Uh, but I've been in a couple of situations where um, I had difficulty getting a job or a position, or was turned down. Um, basically because they just thought I wasn't strong enough to do this job that required a lot of physical strength. Mm. Like uh, one of them was construction. That was before film stuff. I was between jobs. And another one was uh, like grip work for a company in Australia, which is like predominantly men because it's just lifting heavy camera equipment and moving it about. Um, So those kind of prejudices it's it's interesting camera equipment has gotten camera grip and lighting equipment has gotten so much lighter um less less heavy not brighter um in the past 20 years but there's still these kind of hang-ups these ideas that like oh you have to be 100% the strongest person in the world to be able to work in this position like no I like I I know women who are grips and they do their job. I don't know, I don't, I'm preaching to the choir. Here. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but the point of that was, yeah, like I've, yeah. Have I outed myself as trans at work? I, I was filming a documentary uh, as B, B-Cam for Viceland, uh, Vice, the, yeah, the Viceland channel. And I got into conversation with the DOP and we were speaking about pronouns and I said my friends use they them for me um and it was a really hot summer's week so I'm pretty sure they noticed that I had a pretty flat chest um and that was like no problem he was like oh okay cool I was like no issue yeah but maybe that was I don't know maybe there's like it depends on the person the situation the job yeah (laughs) Well, cool, cool. Uh, you listed, you, you said you had other people that were your queeros, or do you want to leave it with, I mean, Ellen Page is a, is a good one. <laughs> <I don't> wanna... <laughs> um, ContraPoints is, uh, she's a trans woman on YouTube. Um, she makes really, <laughs> they're very educational, informative videos, but they, in, in such a way that they're incredibly entertaining and funny and tongue in cheek and like just very watchable. Um, the the ContraPoints makes the most watchable educational YouTube videos I've ever seen. And she has really good arguments and yeah. Nice. She's wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, there's a ton, there's a lot of amazing queer people I could go on. (laughs) Um, Um, no, that's great. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me today in the studio. Go check out the description for this podcast. I've put links to all of the videos that Britta mentioned, as well as a link to their YouTube channel and links to ContraPoint's YouTube channel and Ellen Page's coming out speech. So go check all of that out. Go subscribe to ContraPoint and Britta Britta, thank you so much for joining me again. This was a fun conversation. And to everyone listening, stay tuned for next week's episode. I'll be talking more about binders. And until then, stay calm.